Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well today. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think we're cheering uh, for the nice weather right now, right? Like, <laughs> spring is here, y'all, okay? Spring is here, just saying. Summer is right around the corner, get ready. Uh, I'm Jermaine, I'm the student minister here at 121. Excited to bring you the word today. Um, we have been in the book of Titus over the last several weeks. Uh, Ross, Eric have been leading us through that. It's my turn to take over uh, for this week. Just to catch you up, one, I would say, uh, if you have not been here in a minute and maybe just don't know what we're talking about today, I'd say go back to our uh, website and you can find uh, all the, the, the sermons before. Uh, so we're in Titus. And just to give you a little bit of context before we pray and get into the word, uh, this is all, our series is called Practical Faith because Paul is writing to Titus uh, to tell people in the island of Crete uh, who are not living godly, they're mixing Christian values with worldly values, Roman and Greek values, and it's just a mess. It's a complete mess. Homes are being destroyed. The church is, a, is in disarray. Uh, false teaching is happening, so it's a mess. So Paul is like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity uh, for us to get things established. And for us, it applies to us today because it teaches us how to be as a church of believers in Jesus Christ, and then it also teaches us how to be in the homes as well, and how to, how to be a believer in the culture as well. All right, so last week, Ross... Uh, talked about the guys in verse, uh, verse chapter, uh, chapter two, verse one, talked about the older men and how they're supposed to be. We also talked about the men in, in Titus uh, chapter one as well, what that looks like in the church. And then today, I get to talk about the ladies. Uh, so um, let me just say that I, I humbly prepared this. I've got lots of feedback from, from ladies in our church, all different ages, all different backgrounds, uh, and then I'll also say that I'm married. Uh, <laughs> I've been married for 12 years, so uh, I do have a little, like, you know, I gotta go home tonight, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I definitely am gonna be careful with what I say. And my wife, she encouraged me as well by saying, uh, man, she works at a preschool in the area, and they pray before, and she talked about how I was gonna be talking on Titus chapter two about being a godly woman, and uh, they were praying, and um, her boss is just like, Jermaine is gonna do so great today. He's just gonna do so great. She's like, yeah, it's a really sensitive topic, you know? She's like, yeah, he's gonna do great, and if he doesn't, we're all gonna let him know. <laughs> so uh, I just want you to know that I, I, I've been very prayerful about this, got lots of input from ladies. This is not just, you know, some, some guy up here, you know, preaching. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. God, thank you so much for your grace I pray that that's what we would hear today is, is you, Lord. Would you move us closer to you, whether we're men or women, believers, unbelievers. I pray that your word would move us to want to be more like you, to be motivated, to live practically, to anchor to the truth, yet to also live the truth. Lord, sometimes we can be sheep that go astray and want you to follow our lead. God, my prayer is that we would follow your lead as a good shepherd, trusting that you're gonna lead us to green pasture. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's go in, Titus chapter two. I'm gonna read the verses real quick um, and then just give you a little bit of more context and then we'll, we'll get in. So Titus chapter two, starting in verse three, says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior 
not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage as the young women, I'm sorry, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so the word of God will not be dishonored. Titus chapter two, verses three through five. Context is really, really important here. We have done a good job, I feel like, of as we've been in Titus, giving that context, and again, the context here is first century AD, uh, the island of Crete. They're known for being liars. Even their own people were saying this. It says this in Titus chapter one, being liars, lazy, uh, just, just, just not good, treacherous. Uh, and it's, as a re- it's a result of how they were living. Like I said before, they were mixing Christian values with worldly values, and it's just a mess, a big mess. And so Titus is talking to the believers, us as well, just because it was written then doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us today. God's word never changes. It's the anchor that we hold on to. The culture may change and go this way and that way, but we hold firmly to the truth. The truth that God created us out of his perfect love for us. The truth that our sin separates us from him, a holy and perfect God. The truth that God in his redemptive plan sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, and by faith, we can be in right standing with him. That's the truth, and we hold, we hold strongly to that as our anchor. And now, Paul and Titus are saying, like, hey, this is, Paul is saying, Titus, teach them how to live based off of that truth. And so last week, the message was more towards the guys. This week is towards uh, women, it's really for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a guy or girl, single, married, widow, divorced, whatever. This is for all of us to hear. I pray that we, our senses don't become dull just because we hear older women or younger women. And don't worry, guys. Like there's, It says husbands in there, so we're going to talk about y'all too, all right? So again, Titus chapter 2, verse 3, context is, is key. Matter of fact, I think I got a slide where... Um, I was looking at uh, my Instagram from years back, almost five years ago, and we have a picture. We, ma- we took a picture to announce the birth of our fourth child. And he, he's actually gonna be five, March 15th. I just got a medal uh, from playing basket- preschool basketball. That guy's, he's running around. Anyways, he's in creation right now. But at that time, he was in the womb. And you would think that the only person that's excited about that is Big Bro. <laughs> He's just so excited. Look at that cheese face, man. And then the other two, I mean, you look in the comment section. It's like, okay, is Big Bro the only one that's excited? Is it, like, the, what's going on with the girls? They do not look happy that they are getting another sibling. But the reality is the context of this picture is that they were at their Aunt Cece's house having a blast. And the girls were so mad that they had to leave and take a picture, right? That's the context behind that. It wasn't that they were unhappy about Jake, but they were just mad that they had to leave. And that's kind of how I feel like sometimes we take, especially some, uh, some phrases and verses, words out of these verses, is we'll take it out of context and say, oh, man, Paul's saying this, or oh, man, God don't like that kind of God that does this. It's like, man, we got to take the whole picture, the whole picture. 
and bring it into play. So just a, I just want to remind everybody about that and remind everyone that God has called us to be a living example, a Christ-like living example. That's who we're to follow. That's who we're to imitate. That's who we're to teach. It's to be Christ-like living examples. So verse three, it says, older women likewise are to be Christ-like living examples. That's my first point today. Older women, likewise, are to be Christ-like living examples. Notice that word likewise in there? It's referring back to everything that Paul has been saying, God's been saying about how men are to be. So again, this is not saying, hey, we're just taking this out and we're just talking about women here. No, no, no. It's all of us, men and women, likewise, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. That word reverent means set apart, almost like priestly-like, that vibe, outward expression of um, a Christ-like inner innerness, like a Christ-like inner character. And when I think of this immediately is I think of my mother-in-law, who's known as Nana, and her mom, Grana. Immediately, I thought about that, and I think we have a picture of her of them as well. And no, I'm not just trying to kiss up to my mother-in-law. And so what if I am, okay? Um, this is true. Like, she, Nana, emulates this. There's just a reverence about her that we all just kind of like, we, we, we just, okay, it's Nana, right? She's, she's quiet, but yet strong. It's like, I don't know, she's like this whisperer to the kids, too. Like, I don't know how she does it, but they all flock to her. And we see that being emulated through her mom, too. She's reverent. We see, I see Nana, whenever they're at our place, early in the morning, reading her Bible or reading a book that accords to God. Grana, who is in her 70s, is still an active member of her church. And she talks about it a lot. In a good way, I mean, in a good way. They both have this, without saying, this vibe of strength. And with saying, too, because when we play Family Feud together, Grana lets us know about the rules. <laughs> she lets us know. And when we play spades with Nana, it's kind of hard to cross Nana on space. I don't want to do that. She, she somehow finds a way to win every time. But they're also there to give great insight to Megan, even to myself. They give great insight. It's almost like I think about an orchestra and a conductor. A conductor doesn't say much. They lift their hand and they just do this and they're, they're kind of guiding gracefully the orchestra. And also their postures towards others, right? Reverent in their behavior, but not gossips, uh, or malicious gossips, or enslaved to much wine. Look, Paul is speaking to a particular issue. It's not just like saying, hey, don't get drunk and don't slander or gossip. He is saying that, but like particularly in the culture then, first century women were not working, but rather getting drunk and they were slandering. And so he's speaking to that in particular. That's why he brings up these two. 
I don't think I have to go much further in saying like it's not good to gossip, right? It's not good. The word slander, it's, it might say slander in your, in your uh, translation, is, it says, it translates to act like the devil, to imitate Satan. When you slander, when you gossip, you are bringing false charges that could destroy someone. That's, that's the accuser. Being drunk, being controlled by wine. Again, the culture back then, they admired heavy drinkers. It was a common thing for women to get drunk in Greek and Roman cultures. And bringing it to context, biblical context, we know what God says about that. God says in the New and the Old Testament, not to get sucked into that, not to be get sucked into being controlled by alcohol. Ephesians 5, 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker and beer brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. God warns us not to let anything influence our behavior other than the Spirit of God. Not other spirits. Reverent in behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved in much wine. Our life should be hidden in Christ as a living example. And then he adds on, teaching what is good by teaching what is good. Older women likewise are to be reverent and to teach what is good. To teach in a way that is winsome. Being a teacher of winsome goodness. Teaching God things, teaching God things, which means we need to know the things of God. And the way that we know the things of God is when we let the word of God dwell in us richly. Amen? Colossians chapter three. As believers, we're supposed to lift each other up with our words, with things of God. When we speak, we speak things of God and it edifies each other as believers, but how can we do that if we don't know the word of God? So we are called to know God's word and let it dwell in us richly. Let Jesus take residence in us. In other words, study God's word so that she can teach sound doctrine from a place of authority. And we see Jesus live that example. I love in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter talks to uh, unbelievers, and he's telling them, hey, this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. And in verse 38, he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Being a living example He's following Jesus, imitating him, lifting each other up with his words. And all this, although it might look unusual to the world opposed to God, is attractive. It's attractive. So yeah, we might look different, but what a calling it is. What a calling God is saying. For not just women, for all of us to speak the things of God, to teach in a way that is winsome. 
teaching what is good. Why? Well, it says in verse four, so that they may encourage the young women. So we do these things. Older women are to do these things. So to encourage, or your translation might say train or urge. Urge younger women how to live, how to be Christ-like living examples. So older women are to train up younger women to be Christ-like living examples. That word train or urge I just wanna quickly say that it's, a, it's over the course of time, right? This isn't like, oh, tomorrow I'm gonna go find a young woman and train her up, and by Tuesday, she's gonna be Christ-like living example and get frustrated when it doesn't happen. No. Training them. Training them takes time. It takes love and care so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. That word love, if you want to underline it in your Bible, it's not the agape love that we hear so often talked about. It's more, this is more of the relational love. Relational love with your husband, relational love with your kids. It's a relational love. And when we're talking about husbands, guys, we're talking about being in Ephesians 5, chapter two, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 27 husbands. Like the kind of husband that loves her wife, like, like loves his wife like Jesus. That kind of husband. The kind of husband that treats her the way that he would treat himself kind of husband. The one that lifts her up. That's the husband that we're talking about here. And the application here is to make friends with your husband, right? It's a relational thing. Make friends with your husband. Make friends with your kids. Love them well. So, ladies, we don't give our best to our friends. We don't give our best to our club or whatever group we're a part of. We give our best to the one that's right next to us, our husband. And also, this might take some creativity, okay, because guys are boring, Okay, I'm constantly reminded that I love, I just watch sports all day long. I, I get it. It's gonna take some creativity to love well, to love relationally well. We're boring. Love children well. Why do they put children in there? Duh, we should, we always just love our children. Let me tell you something. We got four kids, okay? They're all young. Some of you are smiling, I see you. You know, children are hard to love sometimes. Okay, and if you're, you know, you know this too, even if you're a relative of the children. Okay, that's why y'all don't come around all the time. You just come around every, every, five, every five minutes or every five days or whatever. And then you're out. They're hard to love. Let me give you a, a good example. So going through this, just I've been just humbled like crazy going through this, right? That's what I'm saying. This passage isn't just for, for women. This is for all of us. So I, I help with making lunches every day for, for the kids, right? When it's my turn, I've noticed that it's bread, 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 peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, jelly, 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 jelly. Bam, throw it in there, done. When it's Megan's turn, but my wife's name is Megan, for those that don't know. Kids are holding around her, being relational while they're making the lunches. They have 
cookie cutters in the shape of a heart. They're pressing in to the sandwich that they're making. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a waste of bread. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, she's being nutritional in her relationships with the kids. I'm functional. I'm not loving well like I should, right? Like, we're called, ladies, called to be relational with our husbands and with our children. Another humbling example I'll tell you is at nighttime. Those that have younger kids, you know nighttime can be testing of our patience, long-suffering, right? <laughs> Woo. Me? Listen, y'all don't go to bed. You're going to pay for it tomorrow. Because the bus is leaving at 7.05. Bus being me taking them to school. And I don't care. Megan, in the bed with them. I mean, what a great strategy, right? Like, they're not wanting to go to bed. So rather than try to force them, she talks them to sleep. <laughs> Loving well, relationally. Right? reading stories with them at night. And I know this has been modeled well for her because when Nana comes over, she does that, all four of them. I'm like, golly, this is gonna take forever. But no, she's there being relational with them. So I know that Megan gets it from Nana and Nana gets it from Grant. Like, it's being modeled well. Relational love is what we're talking about here. So that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be these things, to be self-controlled self or sensible. You might see that in your translation. Self-control is not just mentioned here for women. It'll be mentioned later in verse 6. It's mentioned in verse 2 for men and verse 6 and for men in verse 8 of chapter 1. So self-control to be sober, temperate uh, is the idea here. Uh, like how an opera singer can kind of controls her, 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 her voice as she's going up and down in the, in the pitch range, controlling her diaphragm. Another humbling example I'm about to share with y'all. Y'all are going to get all insights into the Arful house, huh? When I get home, all the kids are running around crazy. Neighbors are going in and out, which is great. We got a great, that's why we're there. We want, to, we want it to be, we want kids to see our home as being a safe place. But let me tell y'all, it drives me crazy. It's chaos. It is chaos. Those that have been in my house, you know what I'm talking about. And there's Megan just, you know, just unpacking the bag, you know, just, just, just under control. Me, I'm a thermostat. I rise with the temperature. This is crazy in here. I can't be in here. Can you not tell them to stop doing this? I'm a thermometer. Megan's the thermostat. She's under control. And I know I see this because Nana models it well. When she's there, everybody is just like going to her beat. Even though it's crazy, she's just kind of marching, making them march along with her. That comes from being in Christ. That's the only way that that happens. It's, it's God balancing things out inside. 
And so then it, it goes out into display. Pure is the next word. First John chapter three, verse three. You want to write that next to pure? This is a great way to explain this. And everyone who has his hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So everyone who has this hope in Jesus chastens himself just as Jesus is chaste or pure. So the woman who has her mind set on Jesus, on, on her mind being more like him every day, on, on desiring to please him over all else, she's more concerned about becoming more like Jesus than any other achievement or accomplishment. That's pure. That's the idea of pure. Being, sub, uh, being subject, I'm sorry, workers at home is the next one. And this is a very, very sensitive one, so I, I want to be careful as I, as I, I speak on this. Uh, another translation could be um, taking care of household affairs, uh, keepers of the home. This often is viewed as an offensive phrase, word, term in the 21st century. I think one, just, it's just in a world opposed to God, anybody that's a not believer, anything that has biblical value, you're, just not gonna, you're not gonna wanna agree to it. It's foolishness, right? I also think, and this is humbling for us as believers, I don't think that it's been modeled well as believers over, over time. And this goes back to, you know, like even the first century when we're reading this, like, the reason, when, when things are mixed with Christian values and Roman and Greek values and the world opposed to God and it's a mess and it's unattractive to other people. I don't want that. And I just think that as Christians, we haven't worn this part of the gospel well, traditionally. So that's why when you hear like, hey, women are to be subject, at, or women are to be keepers of the home, you kind of get this negative connotation. I think part of it is because we haven't modeled it well. Let's, say, let's talk about what it doesn't mean before we talk about what it means. What it doesn't mean is that women should only work in the home. That's what it does not mean. I know we live in a culture of sound bites. Please get the whole sound bite there, okay? <laughs> it means women, you can be a boss at work. I mean, we know that or should, what it doesn't mean is women that work in the home are inferior or have less value. You don't need to be embarrassed to say that I stay at home. What it doesn't mean is that women should only focus on throw, throwing the best birthday parties and you know, having the best house looking. You know, no, no, that's not what it's saying. It's, it's not saying either that women are inferior or have less value than men. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying that women have to be married. 1 Corinthians chapter seven, singleness is a gift from God. It's not saying that men have no role in the home. Guys, come on now, stop playing. It's not saying that the woman has to do the dishes and the guys have to do the laundry. It's not saying that the women have to do the laundries and the guy has to do the dishes. That's not what it's saying. 
the emphasis on this is the importance of discipleship in the home. And that makes sense, right? Like, home is where the heart is, right? When we leave here today and go, eventually we're gonna go back home. When we look in the, old, when we look in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, discipleship happens in the home. Everywhere that we go, it happens, but also in the home. I'm a youth minister. We get our youth leaders, we get our kids, the, y'all's kids for 30 minutes a day or Sunday, and that's if you come every Sunday. Discipleship happens in the home. And what a high calling that is for a role for a woman is to keep the home, disciple in the home and, and to make the home hospitable. Again, it doesn't mean that women shouldn't work outside of the home. That's not what it's saying. It's saying but there, it is saying that there's value in the home. It's a high calling. The home is where the heart is. And you know what? It's the most influential place where discipleship can happen is in the home. A living example of this, I was thinking, is Proverbs 31, because God's word is living and active. When we look at Proverbs 31, let me just read this to you. Verses 28 through 31, it says this. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, woman of God, I put that in there, surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing, but a woman who fears her Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. She takes care of her home in verse 27 it talks about. But then in verse 24, she also leads a business. Each of the characteristics are strong to have as a woman. We keep her at home and also outside of the home. They complement each other. They're not in competition. Heaven talks about that as a godly woman. I love it. When you read through Proverbs 31 from 10 all the way uh, down through 31, you'll see that like a woman of God, a godly woman, she's an excellent wife, she's an excellent mother, She's also a manufacturer. She's also a realtor. She's also a seamstress. She's also a merchant. That's just to name a few things. Her strength and dignity do not come from her accomplishments or achievements, but are a result of her reverence for God. And as you read through that, you'll see her family's social position is high up. Now, I pray that you, you would see that as inspiration, not as a duty to be perfect like a Proverbs 31 woman. I pray that it, it, this sounds inspiring. Throw all of those things in Christ is what, I, is what it says, is what it's saying. Kind is the next word. In other words, do good. We've talked about that a little bit. It just means 
to want and desire to be like God. Jesus in his kindness leads us to repentance. He's the living example. Subject to their own husbands is another sensitive topic, not taking that lightly. Means to be subject to oneself, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's advice. Before I explain that, guys, again, I wanna remind you, this passage, this particular phrase is under the assumption that we are talking about a godly man. We're talking about husbands and being subject to their own husbands. The husband is the godly husband, the Ephesians chapter five, verses 22 through 27, husband. A man who sacrifices for his wife like Jesus sacrificed for the church. A man who loves his wife like Christ loved the church. That's the man, that's the husband that we are talking about. Husband that edifies his wife, he builds her up. So what we're not talking about is being subject to an abusive man. Physically, verbally abusive, ungodly man. That is ungodly. So women, if you're in that type of relationship, get out. You're not to be subject to that. And that's what the church is for, is to help you in matters like that. It's not saying that women should keep quiet or to, you know, I've heard people say, know their place. That's, that's not what this is saying when it says subject or submissive to their husband. That's not what it's saying as if they're inferior. It's also not saying putting your husband above Christ. You don't put your husband above Christ. Jesus is still the main object of your affection. Your husband doesn't replace Christ. Oh, what it's not saying is that you have to make less money than your husband. Not what it's saying. It's not saying that you shouldn't, it's not saying that you shouldn't have discussions with your husband about decisions either. Now, it is saying you're to yield to your godly husband in those decisions and those discussions. And let me give you an example because it's not, I don't know, I don't know about you, but like it's not really, I don't know how you model that here from the stage or, you know. So Megan and I, you know, we, we got kids, they're all involved in sports and things like that. And those that are in the sports world or have had kids or, you know, have relatives in the sports world, you know, they don't care about Sundays. So we try our best to, to work through those things about having our kids in church and, you know, making sure that they're in the place of God. It's not easy. And sometimes I have to say, hey, no, this is how it's going to be today. They're going to come to church today. Right? That's, that's an example of yielding. And I'm not, 
Listen, please don't hear me say that Megan doesn't want my kids in church, okay? Please. She helped me give this example too, by the way, okay? So like, I'm just trying to give it. It's, that's a hard one, right, to, to, to illustrate. But that's an example. And what a beautiful picture, right? When a godly man and a godly woman come together and edify Jesus, it's beautiful. Submission is beautiful. When a godly man is, is leading his wife and lifting her up and edifying her and treating her as Jesus loved the church, and a woman yields to his godly authority, to his godly divine position as a husband, a godly loving husband, it's beautiful. It's attractive. It's a living example that draws people in. It looks different. It might even be considered weird. But it's beautiful because that's how God designed our roles to be. Same in value, just different in function. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Like, why are you going to Luke chapter 2, verse 51? I was hit like a ton of bricks when I read this verse, okay? It says, and he, Jesus, went down with them, his parents. Jesus had parents. And came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Okay, let me, let me say that one more time. Jesus had parents, And he was submissive to them. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who was the active agent in speaking things into creation. The one who sustains all things. He's holding you and me together. Was submissive to his parents. So submission, it doesn't mean that Women are inferior. It has nothing to do with that. And it's exemplified through how Jesus lived. A living example. We can follow his lead. All right, verse five, the end of verse five says, so the word of God will not be dishonored. Live this way, we train Older women train younger women, disciple younger women, so that the word of God would not be dishonored. It's kind of interesting, right? The world that hates God's standards also are very, very quick to point out when Christians don't behave the way God tells us to. So we have extra motivation to be living examples so that the word of God would not be dishonored, but more importantly, it's so God would be glorified. We do everything, Colossians chapter three, verse 17 says, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything in word and in deed. We do everything in the, in the name of Jesus, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So if I can't say the thing in Jesus's presence, I don't say it. If I can't do the things that I wanna do in Jesus's presence, then I don't do it. But the things that Jesus affirms, I say. The thing that Jesus affirms to do, I do. We do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so he can be glorified. I want to live in accordance with 
him because he's my king. He's who I answer to. That's our king. Jesus is our king. He's not our life coach. Let me repeat that. Jesus is not, or Jesus is our king. He's not our life coach. We don't take little bits and pieces of scripture because he's our life coach. We take all of it because he's our king. Let me give you some practical examples. I'm gonna have to wrap up. This is practical, but let me give you some for today. Sign up for the 121 Discipleship Program. If you got your phones out or you know, scared, scan the QR code on the back of the seat, it's gonna be up on the screens too. But man, if you're feeling convicted, you wanna be like, man, I wanna, rep, I, wanna, I wanna help teach younger women or younger women. If you're like, man, I wanna be, I wanna be discipled well, just do it now. It's okay, you can pull out your phones. Just do it. Just, there's a big blue ribbon across the screen. Just click on it and you're, you'll, you'll get guided perfectly. 121cc.com, go there, big blue ribbon, click on it. Let's show you how to sign up for the discipleship program. Invite younger women into your world. Another practical example. Our associate student minister uh, here is Lauren Urbe. Y'all should get to meet her, she's awesome. Uh, Before she was engaged to her lovely fiance, Quincy, she spent a lot of time at our house we invited her to come into our home. And she saw the good, bad, and the ugly. I'm sure she'll tell you. She got to see, though, how things get run in our house. The good, bad, and the ugly. So you want to get married, huh? One day. This is how it is. You want to have kids, huh? Oh, yeah, you see it. Right? What better way to disciple than just Life on life. Oh, and also, let me just throw in a quick aside. Don't try to make your home look perfect. Let them see you how you are. Invite them to women's retreat. It's coming up in April. Perfect opportunity to meet other women in the the church body, to learn and grow with each other and with, with God. Serving family ministries, come on now, you know I'm a 121 students minister, right? I gotta throw that in there. Serving family ministries, we all got, we got these, perfect example. Let me tell you, there's lots of, I'm even looking at them right now, lots of teenage uh, girls who, who are, they, they're yearning for discipleship from, from older women. And let me just get quick caveat, when you step into the student world, you're gonna get humbled a little bit too because it's not like it was back in 19-whatever. Okay? Listen. Li- I'm, I'm serious. Like, listen to them. Listen to them before we start just showering them with wisdom. Please listen. Enjoy the fact that they're young and vibrant and do the things that we used to do. Let them bring the energy. Ask him to show you how to do things. Even though you may not like inside, you're like, oh my God, what is this? Just let him show you. And watch them come to you. Remember, it takes time. It takes time. Sign up with Live Weekend. We got, it's next weekend. We're gonna have, oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna have like over 200 people in here next weekend, by the way. So if you want to serve, you can come to the 915. 
Or I say, they told me to say that. I say, just come on in. Let's all just get this place backed out, you know? Let's all be standing because we just, there's so many people in here. We get one weekend, one Sunday a year. It'll be different and you're going to like it. So just come on. Come on. All right, men, I told you not off the hook. Pray for your wives. I don't know if we have the, the card, but Desiring God has this. If you just go to Google and type in Pray for Your Wives, Desiring God, there's a document that I have printed off. It's in my bathroom. It's, uh, it's just 10 things to pray for, for your wife. I do it every day. Now, don't go, I prayed for you. <laughs> like, like you're trying to get some special award. Just do it in silence. That's how you can honor her. Last thing. Um, you might have heard this message, or I don't know how you've heard this message. But I know in talking with my wife, Megan, she's like, man, like, I, I, I can't be perfect. And what I'm hearing is all these things that I'm trying to, like, measure up to. And I'm just, I might be good here, but not good here. It's like, how do I do this? Right? Maybe you saw the picture of Granite, and then you're like, I wish I had that. I don't. And so maybe this sounds a little defeating. Well, let me just give you some encouragement. We're gonna keep this thing going, my family. Real quick, can we see the, the video? So my kids, we went to this place in Southlake um, where you got to make a mess of everything. What better place to go than to just make a mess of things and not get in trouble for it? And so they made this canvas and they put tape over the words or the pictures that they were trying to do. They made a mess of it, right? Well, the tape had the words covered over it. And so those parts were clean. And that's what sticks out, right? Ladies, and even for all of us, not even all of us, please be reminded that Christ covers you. That's the beauty of the gospel. So I don't know where you are at today, but tomorrow's a new day, and God covers you. You don't have to be perfect. God is. So rely on his grace, please, today. Rely on the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't say be a perfect mom or be a perfect woman The Bible says that Jesus was and is perfect. None of this can happen, though, unless you leave your grave clothes behind and pick up your grace clothes. Wear your grace clothes today. Adorn the gospel. It'll be attractive to those who don't know them. Remember that God clothed you with a garment of salvation And that he put a robe of righteousness over you. That's the encouragement for today. Rely on the grace of God. God, we thank you for that good news. No matter where we are at in our lives, older, younger, men, women, single, divorced, widowed, it doesn't matter. Your grace covers it all. And I pray that we would wear our grace close today to glorify you, but to also attract those who don't know you.
Let us be more like you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.